Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. To contact us, call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. We are continuing a study in the book of Hebrews. It's been said that the theme of the book of Hebrews is everything better in Christ. But it's more than that. The author's theme is everything culminated, everything fulfilled, everything answered in Jesus. He is our bread of life. Now here's Joel Van Hoogen. The picture of Hebrews chapter 12 verses 18 through 24 are of two places. One place is that place where Israel came to the foot of Mount Sinai to receive the law. It was a place of fire and darkness and gloom and dread and distance from God. He is the judge and the law only revealed their sins. Fortunately, the author of Hebrews says that we have not come again to that mountain. The Christian doesn't stand under judgment before the law. It's the second place to which we've come. It's a place not on earth but in heaven, and it's quite glorious. And we're not waiting to get there. We're already there. We've arrived. You have to come to Mount Sinai. You have to be brought by the Spirit of God to see that you're a sinner that you cannot fulfill the law of God and you can't come to God by your own efforts. You have to come to that place of utter failure and ruin where you see God's terrible holiness and your drastic unholiness and you see that your sin drives you from the presence of God and you have to cry out in the presence of a holy God, somebody speak in my behalf. Somebody come between me and him lest I be destroyed. God led Israel to that place. And when God brings a person to himself to believe in him as Lord and Savior and receive his salvation, God brings him to Mount Sinai still. And there the Spirit of God shows us our sin and our desperate need of the Savior. There the Spirit of God opens our eyes to see how holy, holy, holy God is. And the Christian sees his sins and is deserving of God's wrath. And he cries out for mercy and grace and for a mediator to stand in his place. And he's given Jesus as an answer. And they come to Christ And in that moment, Christ takes them to a totally different place altogether. Not a place that you can get your hands on and not a place that you can get to by your own two hands working and laboring, but a place, a place where you're saved and you're secured and you're resting in Him. Let me now have you take your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Let me emphasize to you that this passage, again, reveals the juxtaposition of these two places and the experience of coming before these two places. And that verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2 really reveal the experience that comes upon an individual when by the Spirit of God they're brought before Mount Sinai and the law and God's holiness and the revelation of who God is. And then verses 4 on reveal the great relief and the great joy and the great position that's achieved when God brings us into His new Jerusalem, into His, His own city of salvation. So let's look at verses 1 through 3 and see that this is where a person is brought to by the Spirit of God when He leads them before the law. And you He made alive. That's speaking of where they are after this moment. Who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. So listen, when God brings you before the law, when God brings you by His Spirit in a sense before His own holy presence at Mount Sinai, that experience where God reveals Himself to you and reveals His will and His decrees and His commands for you, and you see yourself for who you are, you see 
by the Spirit of God that you are spiritually dead. And the word dead always means separated. You're separated from God because of your sins. You're dominated by the power, the prince of the power of the air. You're not ruled by your own goodwill and your own good intentions. The God of this age is ruling your life. And you see that you have within you, lodged within you, the same spirit that works in the spirit of all wicked and disobedient people. And you're no different from them. You don't stand at a a distance from those people that you're better than and closer to God. When you see God and you understand His laws and it reveals to you, all of a sudden you realize that you're standing at a distance from God and you're standing in the midst of people who are wicked and disobedient. And that's what happened to Isaiah in chapter 6. He saw the Lord high and lifted up and His train filling the temple and he heard the angels crying out, Holy, holy, holy. And that moment, Isaiah, who may before that, thought, I'm a good person. I'm praying, I'm meditating, I'm a prophet of God. And that moment, Isaiah cries out and says, Woe is me, I'm found out, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Here's my identity, here's my place, here's my position. I'm far from you, God, and I'm in the midst of these wicked men. That's what God does when the Spirit of God reveals his sin to you. He separates you out from himself, and he places you in the midst of people who are in need of his salvation. You see that you've conducted yourself like others in the lust of your flesh. That your life has basically been a rebellious pursuit to pursue your own desires. The willful desires of your flesh and of your mind. And you realize in the moment that you, you were born for God's judgment just like everybody else. That's what you learn at the foot of Mount Sinai. Here's the great thing. You have to pass by Mount Sinai. But that's not your destination. That's not my destination. The Christian hasn't arrived at Mount Sinai. They came by Mount Sinai. But we arrived in the new Jerusalem. Here's what he describes next. Next, Verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up together. And listen and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know what it means? You've arrived. Through Jesus Christ, you've come to this place, not Mount Sinai, but you've come to heavenly places in Jesus Christ. God has not left us at Sinai in the law and with works and with dread of our sin before His holiness. He's brought us to another place. We've come to another place, one that's not by our own works, but is by grace alone as a free gift from God. Heaven itself before his throne. Verse 7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For you are God's poem, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God has prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. That's our second destination. Our second destination is the place that we have arrived at now. I'm not going to be able to adequately express the glory of that second place, but let's at least look at it very quickly. It's a place of rejoicing and nearness to God. You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, and the heavenly Jerusalem. Think about it this week. We'll talk about it next week. Think about it. You've come. This is where you've arrived. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ as Savior, you're not sitting at the base of Mount Sinai. You've come to Mount Zion. That's the highest point in Jerusalem. 
It was actually the citadel that David captured when he captured the city of Jerusalem. And it became an expression of the security of the city. You've come to the place of security and assurance. The city of the living God. Here, instead of a mountain, an austere and lonely mountain is a city that rises and settles down. We'll see in the Bible, it settles down upon a mountain in the shape of a cube. And all of God's redeemed live within it. To an innumerable company of saints, to the general assembly, it says in the King James, but in the ESV you have the right, I think, proper translation. To a myriad upon myriads or thousands upon thousands of angels gathered in festal glory or rejoicing in festivity. Think about that too. Think about that. You've come in the midst of the rank of angels who are not blowing trumpets of judgment, but are singing out songs of praise. You've come there, and that's where you've arrived just now. To the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Think about that. Think about this next week. What does it mean that God considers you among the firstborn? And that you're enrolled, your name is enrolled in heaven. The next thing it says, to God, the judge of all. Here's an amazing thing. God has not stopped being the judge. God has not stopped being holy, incredibly unimaginably, terribly holy. He has not ceased to be the judge, but now you're before the judge, rejoicing as firstborn children with the ranks of angels singing praises to him. That's where you've arrived. The spirits of just men made perfect. We'll consider that again next week. But the picture is here that we're gathered with not only we who here on earth have our representation in Christ, but there also are gathered those who have gone before us and entered in the presence of Jesus Christ and have seen him and are now like him for they've seen him as he is and they're perfect in every way. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, how is it possible that we could be in this place? Because Jesus is our priest. He's our mediator. He has this one glorious, ongoing, unfinished work He lives forever to mediate for us and ever will. And we stand in God's presence in Him, able to rejoice and celebrate in the presence of the Holy Judge of all. How is this possible? Because His blood speaks better than that of Abel. You know what Abel's blood cried out from the earth? It cried out for justice and vengeance. Jesus' blood cries out, Justice has been met. It doesn't cry for justice. It cries out to justice. It's been accomplished. It doesn't cry out for vengeance. It cries out to vengeance. It's been accomplished for you. It's been all answered in me. Because all these things are true. What's left for us? Because this is where we really have arrived. What's left for us are the songs of Charles Wesley. No condemnation now I dread Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him my living head and clothed in righteousness of divine. Bold, I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. You've arrived. Now, live like it. Live like it. Groveling at Mount Sinai is not your position. Beating your breast at Mount Sinai is not your position. Your position is to come before the city that God has placed you in and rejoice with the angels To live before the God who's a judge in peace and rejoicing as a member of his redeemed. You've arrived. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, so cursory and so quickly we've gone through this last part, but so deep and so profound and so wonderful it is. 
It deserves and it calls for a meditation of our lives, not only in the days ahead, but in the years ahead. When we get ourselves riled up by what's happening upon this world, in this world, and the systems of this world, and the injustices that seem to take place around us, and the confusion that surrounds us, we are treading back to find our meaning and our life at Mount Sinai. Lord, when we recognize where we've arrived and where you've brought us, our legacy and our life is one of peace. It's one of holiness that comes to us because we're in the presence of a holy God who has set us apart for himself and made us holy through his son. It's one of rejoicing. It's one of confidence and boldness. It's one of trust and one of rest. It's a life of labor, but not to earn or to gain, but to glorify, to glorify you, to express, not to gain, but to give out our gratitude because through Jesus Christ we have arrived. Through his free gift we have arrived even now, even now in this place. Help us to think about this throughout this week. Let the calculations of our meditations shape the way we interact with others, shape the way we act or react to the news of the day, shape our expectations for life to come. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest to you two websites you can visit. First, go to traincpe.org to learn about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. And to learn more about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.